0: Welcome to the Crossroads Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Today, uh, I wanna talk to you about what I believe is the most important thing for you to do in life, legitimately. Like if you think back to the creation story, you hear this story about how God created everything, right? He said, let there be light. He created fish, birds, animals, trees, land, all of this stuff happened in the first five days of creation. Then it hits its pinnacle on day six. And what did he created on day six? Who knows? Us, okay. Yeah, he created man in his own image, male and female. It says he created them. But here's what's interesting to me. Everything else in creation... He said it was good, right? When he finished creating mankind, you know that he added a word to it. He said it's, it's very good. But it goes a step further than that. You have all of this other creation happening by God speaking, um, God separating things. But you know what it says about man? It says that he formed us of the dust of the ground and then there's this really special moment that I think a lot of people miss. It says, he breathed into him the breath of life. And in these opening pages of Scripture, we have this image of God breathing life into all of us, into mankind. But what's interesting about this idea of breath of life is we see it all throughout Scripture. There's a term for it in the Greek, it's it's pneuma, um, so like if you think of a, how many of you ever use like a, a, air, an air gun, like a nailer, uh, or something like that. Anybody do that? Like an air wrench? Any of you gear heads? Okay. So you know what that is? You know what they call those? They call them pneumatic tools. You know why? Because it's that same thing. It's pneuma, which it, what it means is the breath gives power, gives life, give meaning. said, so Matt, why are you telling all of this? Well, I'm gonna take you a totally different way than you probably expect. I wanna take you to 2 Timothy chapter three because you're gonna see this idea of God's breath in a way that you, you haven't before. And I, I'm just gonna be up front with you today. We're gonna go through a lot of scripture and I'm gonna need your help to, uh, to actually like look this up. Otherwise, you're gonna get really bored, okay? So if you wanna use, if you wanna use your phone, I'm okay with that. But if you brought your Bible you're gonna have a bigger house in heaven, okay? So, 2 Timothy chapter three, that's not totally true, I don't think. It might be, you never know. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17. Look at what this says. All scripture is breathed out by God. If you have that NIV, it says, all scripture is God breathed. Now you get where I'm going, right? So what you hold in your hand is the same idea of God breathing into mankind for the very first time. This is a special book. It says all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Literally everything you need to live the Christian life. Look what it says in verse 17, that the man of God, that's a gender-neutral term, but it's masculine, so that's why the Bible translates it man. Don't think it's just for one gender. It says, so that all of us, the man of God, may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, if you've gone to our youth ministry for much time at all, you've heard me tell you there are two battles that Satan's going to fight with you. Two things he's going to try to convince you of. The first one is that you can be a Christian all alone. He's going to convince you that you don't need to go to church, you don't need to get involved in a connect group, all you need is yourself. You know why? Because every predator knows that if I can separate you from the herd or from the flock, you're a much easier target. Turn on Animal Planet, turn on National Geographic, you're going to see it you're going to see that predators do everything they can to separate one from everyone else. Why? Because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So if I can keep you away from other Christians, if I can convince you, ah, man, I don't want to go to camp this year. If I can tell you that you'd rather hang out with your other friends than hang out with Christians, you become an easier target. He knows that. That's why Solomon says in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one for they have a greater return on their work. It says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It says if one falls down, he has someone to help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. We're better together. God created us this way. And yes, you have an enemy that will do everything he can to separate you by yourself. You ever notice why your greatest struggle with sin is when you're all alone? You ever think about it? And some of you are like, well, you know, no, it's not. It's when I'm with my girlfriend. When y'all are hanging around with a bunch of other people or when you're all alone? when you're in a position that you shouldn't have put yourself in, but you convinced yourself that you can separate yourself and I can just handle this all on my own. You know you can't handle it. It's the first battle. You know the second battle? Satan will try as hard as he can to convince you that this book is something that, it just doesn't really matter. Man, I just don't know. I mean, the, the stories in there are old, I don't understand them. I would study the Bible, I just don't know where to start. Uh, I mean, I I just can't memorize scripture. You know, all these excuses we all make, right? We're gonna go through that today. But Satan knows this first, that all scripture's God breathed. He knows that there's power in this. I'll give you a really kind of, you know, like old person church type quote. You realize this? You realize that the Bible is the only book that no matter where you open it, the author is always present. Kind of funny, isn't it? Right? Come on. Like, that's a great Facebook mom post. But here's the thing it's true. There's power here. You know, the the Bible says that every word, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, is living and active, meaning that when you open this book, it comes alive to you. So, why does this all matter? Because when we talk about this idea of I love my church, if you know much about Crossroads, we preach the Bible. like the, This is our only source. Uh, the, the movement that our church is a part of, the Christian churches, Restoration Christian churches. We, have a, we don't have any creeds. We say we have no creed but Christ. But you know what else we say? We say no book what, but the Bible. Like We don't have some other statement, doctrine that other people are telling us, hey, this is what you have to follow. No, we believe what the Bible says. That's it. We're not going any farther than this. We're not going any less than this. We're studying the Bible and living the Bible out. So this is really important to us. So here we are today. I know that there's a lot of us that don't study God's word. So what I want to help you do is I want to give you just a few things uh, to help you understand how scripture is that important and how you can say, I love my church. I want to study God's word. Okay. First thing you need to do, you need to pick it up. Okay? Like, and I would encourage you, this is just me, and I know that for some of you, this might sound tone deaf, and you might go, Matt's just the old guy, he doesn't understand what our life's like anymore. But hear me out. I think it's really important for you to have a Bible. Not just, not just your phone, and this is not me being someone that's just saying, I'm, I'm saying like legitimately, there's something special about the words on the pages, not because like, oh, this changes the scripture because it's not on my phone. But on your phone, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get drawn away to something else. You use your phone for so many other things. Set apart a special place, a special book. You gotta pick it up. If you ever wanna study God's word, you actually have to have it in your hands. And Psalm 19, I'm not gonna be able to go through all these, but if someone like wants to write them down, you can have all these Bible verses like, I think we're at almost 100 today, so get, get your pen ready, all right? Uh, Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9, it talks about how there's power in the Word. The longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. We're going to go through it kind of real quickly, but this is what the Bible says about itself. The longest chapter in the Bible is on the Bible, like literally about the word of God. You say, well, why do I need to pick it up? Let me give you a couple things. The first one, because the Bible transforms you. If you look at the beginning of Psalm 119, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The law was the Torah. That's the the first part of the Old Testament. And what the the psalmist is writing about is he's saying, this law transforms who we are. It gives us the rules for living. It gives us the standard. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. It's all-encompassing. It's comprehensive, meaning that it has something to say about everything that I go through in life. And this idea that it's reviving the soul, it's where we get our word converting from. That what happens inside of you is this transformation that literally turns you into something else. Like if you go to a foreign country and you come in with American dollars, you're gonna go and you're gonna convert your money into their money. It's gonna be something completely different. Still gonna have meaning, still gonna be good, but it's a, a total new thing. This is what the law of the Lord does for us. It transforms us. Number two, it gives you wisdom. The psalmist goes on, he says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. This idea of a a testimony, this is God bearing witness about himself. You can kind of look at the Bible like an autobiography. Like God inspired human beings to write about him. So when you see this, you you get wisdom from it. It's sure, it's dependable, it's durable, it's trustworthy, it's reliable. You say, well, how reliable is the Bible? It's so reliable or it's so sure that notice the phrase he uses right after it in Psalm 119, that it makes wise the simple. The simple is this open, unguarded mind. Like I, I... in our world today, we have a lot of people that if you've ever heard this idea of being simple-minded, meaning that you, you don't have wisdom, you're open to anything. So when someone comes up and they present something to you, you're like, well, yeah, kind of sounds good. Let's jump off that cliff. Like, yeah, that's a great idea. Who needs a parachute? Like you just, you're, you're simple-minded in the sense that things don't fully make sense. You haven't experienced the wisdom from it. And so what the Bible does is it gives us wisdom, making wise the simple. The world may have a a lot to say and a lot to praise for someone who's a so-called open-minded person, but godly wisdom controls the access to your mind. When you have God's word living inside of you, you know what happens to you? when someone comes up with these crazy ideas that a lot of people are buying into. You know, man, I, I, I just don't know. Why? Because this is our source of wisdom and truth. He goes on, on in Psalm 119 and says that it brings us joy. If you look, it says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Precepts are these divine principles, these rulings that are made by God. They're things that he set up in our universe that are just Real rules. So like when the Bible says that the marriage bed should be kept pure, you know why he says that? It's not, he's like, God's like, hey, as a Christian, no fun. You're not gonna be able to do anything that's enjoyable. No, he says, listen, I designed you, specifically females, I designed you that when you have a sexual relationship with someone, there is such an emotional connection that's made that you will be tied to that person. So when the Bible says the two become one flesh and that what God has joined together, let no man tear apart. You know why he says that? Because if you look at how a specifically the female brain is made that when sexual, when sexual things start to come as part of her life, She's drawn to that person forever. God designed you that way. On purpose, in a really good way. So that when he says you wait until marriage to get involved in this, it's so that your heart's not completely crushed. It's not a bad thing. It's not saying, hey, well this is is gonna be no fun. And guys, you know why he says it for you? Because God created men with this visual mind to where when you see a woman without her clothes on, you know what it does to you? It does the same exact chemical reaction in your brain as when you are in a life-threatening car wreck. The same endorphins are released. It's burned into your mind. It's etched into your memory. So God designed this rule, this precept, saying, hey, this is how it's made. Follow this and everything's gonna be really, really good for you. And it's gonna bring so much joy to your life. When I strip it out of that, and I give my mind over to pornography, I give my heart over to someone before I'm married to them, I mean, it just causes all kinds of damage on the inside. Because you weren't made to do that. And it's not God going, hey, I don't want you to have any fun. God is saying, I want you to experience joy in a way that the world doesn't understand. That's the point of it. It's not a a bad thing. It's a precept that he created for us. It's a good thing, but guess how you know that? You read the Bible. It brings joy to the soul, these divine purposes. Number four, it dispels the darkness. It says that the commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes, Purity, it means clear, it gives you clarity. God's word is transparently obvious. There is no in-between for it. The Bible's not some puzzle. It's clear, you can understand it, you can grasp it, you can comprehend it, you can be blessed by it and changed by it, but only if you pick it up. You know, we all start with our ideas about something, where we come in and go, well, I think this is what it's gonna be like but we need to learn to submit those thoughts to God's word because God's word is so clear. This is why the Bible teaches us that we take every thought captive. and We make it obedient to Christ. Number five, it adds stability. Again, in Psalm 119, it says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. This fear of the Lord, it's a regular exposure to God's word generates a deepening understanding of who God is, which in turn heightens a healthy fear of God. It's not like you're scared to death that God's going to strike you dead. That's not the point. Having this fear of the Lord is this healthy respect for who he is. I I don't know uh, if you've ever worked with something that's dangerous like something that's just, and this could kill you, right? Like you have to have a healthy respect for it. Like you go work around large animals on a farm, you're not just gonna go up and treat them like a little kitten, like you're just not. That's not, not the right way to do it. You gotta have a healthy respect, a fear. If you're, if you're working with high-powered stuff, like we remodeled our house and did all this, and uh, like when I go out to, my, to where my, uh, whatever, electrical panel is, I don't just go in there and be like, oh man, I got this, and just start messing around with stuff. No, because why? I don't want to fry myself because I have a healthy fear of how much power is coming in, right? It's this idea. It's not that I'm living in fear every night where I'm like, oh my goodness, is my house gonna burn down? Oh my goodness, am I gonna get electrocuted if I take a shower? Like, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. But some people think the fear of the Lord is like, oh no. Like if I... God finds out I cheated on that test; He's going to strike me dead right here in English class. Like He's just... Gonna, that's not. That's not what this is. It's living in such reverent fear of God that you're going. I, I want to surrender my life out of healthy respect and admiration and awe for how great He is. It adds stability to your life. It says that the fear of the Lord is clean, this without blemish, uncompromised, enduring forever. It's not watered down. It's pure. God's word is our source of stability when circumstances just shake the world around us. We've had story after story, event after event this past season that's shaken everything else around us, but what, what gives us this rock-solid foundation? It's God's word. All right, number six. It promises justice. The rules of the Lord are true and altogether righteous. Listen to all these different ways that the psalmist describes the Bible. The rules, these declarations, God's verdicts. He makes these pronouncements and has divisive actions. The rules of the Lord are true and altogether righteous. Man chooses wrong. God administers consequences and ultimately judgment. Man turns from sin. God displays grace. That's what you see all throughout Scripture, We mess up, we do these things. God says, well, here's the consequences for what you do. And then man goes, you know what? I'm gonna turn around. And what does God do? He brings grace in. It's altogether righteous. God makes things right and sin will be stopped permanently. Well, how's that happen? Through Jesus. That when you give your life to Christ, the penalty of sin is done away with. And now you can live in the grace that you've experienced from Jesus to move forward. So, we went through this a little bit earlier, but let me give you some reasons people give for not picking up the Bible. First one, they say they're just not interested. Okay, let me answer you on that. If you're not interested in picking up the Bible, uh, when was the last time you actually read the Bible? Any part of it. Like, if you're not interested in it, when's the last time you read it? Because I promise you, if you spend some time in God's word, you're gonna find some stuff that's crazy. Like you read through the Old Testament, there's better stories in there than any Marvel movie you've ever seen. Like there is. If you want stories of drama and and love stories, you read the story of Esther and tell me there's a better love story that's been made into a movie. You say, well, I just just don't know. It doesn't really give me much uh, in in direction for my life. Read the book of Proverbs. You wanna find out about Jesus? Start in John. It's the one that makes the most sense to us. It really does. Don't tell me you're not interested in God's word when you haven't tried to read it. And I'm not talking about secondhand. I'm not going, well, you know, I went to church. Or I listened to Elevation and Maverick City's new album. And like, that was me. I, I, just, I just read the Bible that way. No, you didn't. Like, there's songs in there that quote the Bible. I get that. But you pick it up and read it. So maybe it's not that you're not interested. You just, I just forgot. You know, I made a commitment on Sunday, Matt, that I was gonna read God's word, and then I just forgot about it all week. That's an explanation, not an excuse. You know the difference, right? Like you're explaining why you didn't do it, but you didn't give me an excuse for why you didn't do it. It's two different things. Realizing what we do doesn't let us off the hook, it confronts us with the need to make a different plan than the one we're using because it's not working for us. If your reason for not reading the Bible is because you just keep forgetting, guess what? Time to start remembering. Like change your life somehow. If you're just like, oh man, I got to the end of the day and oh, I you know, I don't even know, do you call it scrolling through your snaps? I don't do any of that. But whatever that is, you know, I'm on Snapchat and I'm just like falling asleep doing this thing. Okay, great. Sounds like you need to set an alarm for some time in your, in your day that you know you can read the Bible. And I promise you, if you'll, if you'll use the book instead of your phone and you'll just put this where your pillow is and remind yourself that every night before I go to bed or every morning when I wake up, whatever it is, if you need to change your life, if, there's, if your schedule is so jam-packed that there's just no time that you can find to read your Bible, start with 15 minutes. Either go to bed 15 minutes later, wake up 15 minutes earlier. Whatever you need to do. Stop making excuses, giving explanations, and do it. How about this one? I I just don't understand it. I don't read the Bible because I don't understand it. I don't pick it up because I don't understand it. Unfamiliarity is not a lack of understanding. There's a difference between being unfamiliar with something because you haven't been in it very long and not understanding it because you've put in the work to try to understand it and you just couldn't. Most people, it's not that you don't understand God's word, it's that you're unfamiliar with God's word. It's like picking up a book in a foreign language to you because you're like, well, I just don't know. How much time have you been studying this foreign language then? Like, <clears throat> I tell people all the time that when it comes to, to spiritual disciplines, you can't treat them like your vegetables. I, like give, Let me give you a, an illustration. When I was a kid, I was a really picky eater, still pretty picky to this day, but I was like super picky as a kid. And I knew that I had an out any time my parents tried to get me to try vegetables. You know what it was? Matt, if you try it just one time, if you don't like it, you'll never have to eat it again. <laughs> Deal. You know what I gotta do? I gotta act like I tried it. And I never have to try this vegetable again because I'm gonna tell you, I hate this. I'm never gonna drink, or I'm never gonna try to eat it again. Here's the thing, there's a lot of people that look at God's word like that. Well, I tried it. I mean, I tried to read my Bible one day. I woke up early, I opened up, I started in Lamentations one and I just didn't know what they were talking about and so I just didn't understand it, I'm done. Think of it more like you're training for a marathon than trying your vegetables. When you're talking about a spiritual discipline, guess what it's gonna take? Discipline. You're gonna to have to do this every day. You're gonna to have to figure out a way to do this because it's not trying something to see whether or not you like it. It's going, I know I need to run a race and that there's a prize at the end of this marathon and I wanna do everything I can to train to be the right way so I can run it most effectively. Does that make sense? Last excuse, well, I'm just too busy. Listen, every person in here has the same amount of time in every day. You wanna know what else is true? You will always make time for what's most important to you. No matter what it is, you will always make time for it. If your friends are most important to you, you're gonna make time. If your boyfriend, your girlfriend are most important to you, you're gonna make time. If training for that sport's the most important to you, you're gonna make time. You're gonna find a way to make time for what's most important. And I promise you, as addicting as Snapchat and TikTok can be, that shouldn't be what's most important to you. Find a way to go, I wanna wanna do this, all right? So that was number one, we have three. The last one, I'll try to be as as quick as I can. So pick it up. Second one is to size it up. We don't have time to go through all of this, but you need to be able to appreciate what's in here once you pick it up. Okay? I'm gonna give you these points as quick as I can, and I'll give you the scripture. You can look it up later, all right? Number one, notice God's word is fire. Like, not, not just the fire emoji, but like, legitimately, it's fire. Jeremiah five fourteen. Look it up, read what it says. There's this fire burning in my bones. It's a, it's a pretty awesome thing. Fire's hot, it's aggressive. It's this message that's purifying, not to be trifled with, not to just play around with, but scripture consumes all the obstacles in its path. When you start reading God's word, you really get into it, you watch how it purifies your life. It's fire. Number two, God's word is a sword. Hebrews 412, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. God's word cuts right to the heart. No matter what is going on in our lives, it can speak to our lives when we allow it to. It separates what shouldn't be from what should be. Number three, God's word is a hammer. Jeremiah 23, 29, the persistence of God's word striking our life. You think of someone that's chiseling out a a, a block of granite or, or some really hard rock. He's chipping away at it with a hammer, cracking and shaping us to start forming Christ within us. That's the idea. It's a hammer. Uh, Number four, God's word is a seed. 1 Peter 1, verse 23, I'd also add Matthew 13 to that. It's this idea of planting scripture in the soil of your mind. You won't see the results right away because they're in a seed stage, but at some point it will start growing up and you'll be bearing much fruit. I've talked to y'all before that you're in the stage of life that it's difficult, okay? You're, you're in the seed planting stage. And you're not gonna see fruit sometimes for years, but it's gonna take you a while. And so you wonder, are these decisions really mattering? That's why you have teachers who tell you that annoying, uh, that annoying thing in school when they're like, the, the, the habits you create in high school are gonna follow you through college, right? Like you've heard this. You've heard them all tell you this. Listen, listen, it's true. Why? Because you're planting seeds and you're doing this. It's the same way when you're studying scripture. You don't know the harvest of what's coming from what you're studying at that current day. Sometimes it springs up later in the day. Sometimes it springs up years later and you're like, oh, I remember. I remember how I was studying God's word and it did this. Uh, Number five, God's word is milk. Okay, 1 Peter 2, 2. This idea of milk, like a newborn baby craving his mother's milk, uh, we require it desperately and consistently. Uh, You know, church is not a Sunday afternoon buffet. There's a lot of times where people think I can eat just one time a week because I just go to church and I get kind of the all-you-can-eat buffet and I eat up, eat up, eat up. Well, guess what? Does that satisfy you for all week? No. No. You're like a newborn baby. They got to eat about every two hours. Like you're, you're the, the word is milk, meaning that you need it to sustain you throughout each and every day. But notice number six, God's word is also meat. Uh, that milk shouldn't be what always satisfies you, but you move on to some, some harder things, things that take a little bit longer to digest, Hebrews chapter five, verses 12 and 13, we're not supposed to live on milk forever. What happens? You mature to eating solid food. And God's word is satisfying and nourishing in that way. Uh, Number seven, God's word is a light. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know what that means? It means I'm walking around in a dark world. God's word shows me where I'm supposed to step. Number seven was God's word is a light. Psalm 119, 105. All right, number eight. God's word is a mirror. James 1, 23 through 25. James talks about how someone who reads the word and then immediately goes away and doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks in the mirror and immediately forgets about what he looks like. So when you're studying God's word, it's reflecting to you things in your own life. You know, like sometimes when you're looking in the mirror and you're like, man, I got a pimple there. You know, didn't know that. Like you get those, you get those thoughts and realize I need to do something about this. Go, go call proactive. Like you need, to, you need to figure it out, okay? But that's it, okay? Number three, we'll go quick. So pick it up, size it up. Number three, this one, is probably the most important one. Eat it up. Yeah, there you go. My favorite. Uh, Jeremiah 15, verse 16, talks about how he consumed the scroll. He consumed God's word. I know I'm giving you a lot, but I promise you this is good stuff. It's not enough just to hold God's word. You have to ingest it. You have to get it inside of you. You have to hide his word in your heart that you might not sin against God, like Psalm 119, verse 11 says. So how do we eat it up? Five points real quick. They're easy. You're gonna remember them, okay? First one is to read it. We've talked about that. But let me encourage you, don't be laying down in your bed. Again, I wouldn't be using your phone. I would get a Bible, okay? Use God's word, have it that way. But you need to sit up. And you need to like, let this be a time that's different than any other time. I get that you guys have spent the better part of a year perfecting how to lay down in your bed and do class even though you have a teacher that tells you to sit up. Like, I get all that, okay? But when it comes to God's word, for real, take it seriously. Like, go to a place where you'll have no distractions, where you can read it. And again, I would tell you, if you're, if you're looking for just some... Some easy things, if, if you've never read scripture before, like you've never spent any time doing it, I'm gonna give you a real easy book to start with. It's a short book. It's 1 John, okay? If you have a Bible that's like a book, it's towards the end of it, okay? If you alphabetize it in your Bible app, it's gonna be towards the beginning. But it's 1 John, it's at the end of the Bible, okay? It's five chapters, I believe, off the top of my head. Someone can verify that for me, but I think it's five chapters, Who's got me? Come on, someone look. What is it? Am I right? Somebody, somebody be there. You're in your Bible app already. You literally just click 1 John, it says how many chapters? Is it five? Good, I'm right. That's why I wanted to make sure. But it's five easy chapters. They really are. The first one's the longest, second one's second longest, then it gets shorter as it goes on. But it gives you just simple things. And here's what I would tell you to do. Read it. I wouldn't even worry about reading a chapter a day. Read a section a day. You're not gonna win an award because you studied more of the Bible than anyone else in one day. Like there's some days, I will be be totally honest with you. There's some days I read one Bible verse. Why? Because that's as far as I made it when I started to do this. So first step is you read it. Second second step is you question it. When when uh, When you're reading, have something or somewhere where you can write down what you read. Write down the questions you have. Here's some easy ones to help get you started. Is there an example here for me to follow? So is is there someone that that is kind of the the main character of this text and they're doing something really great for God? Is there an example there for me to follow? Um, The second question, is there a sin for me to confess? Am I reading through this and realizing something and God's kind of, Tugging on my heart, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, there's a sin I need to confess. Uh, Is there a truth here for me to understand? Is there something here that God's trying to say to me that I haven't seen before? And then the last one, is there a comfort here for me to experience? Is God just speaking to me in a way that I need to hear right now? I'm going through something tough. Those are easy questions. You can have other questions too. But don't just read it, question it, Third part is to plan it. Not like the planets in our solar system, but plan IT, plan it, okay? And here's what this means. Write down certain decisions or discoveries you made and date it. Like go, hey, this is is what I found out on this date. If you keep notes in your phone, this is a great place to do it. Like, write down just certain things so you can look back and know, hey, this is what happened. But just write them down. You know why? Because when you write something down, you're more likely to remember it. So you're writing down, these are the discoveries that I made. These are the decisions that I made. I'm going to do this now. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to pray for these people, whatever it is. Fourth one is to pray it. Okay, so we've got read it, question it, plan it, pray it. Pray about your plan of action. Pray about what you're gonna do. Thank God for what he showed you in the text that day, whatever it is. And then finally, this should be the easiest one for your generation. Number five is to share it. Okay, share it with somebody. This could be as easy as posting it on your story. It could be, Or you don't have to do that. You could just talk to someone, send a text to some friends, get in a group message and go, hey, was reading this this morning, thought it might be encouraging to you. You know, I've never been disappointed when someone sends me a text like that. I've never gone, oh, can't believe they tried to encourage me today. Like I hate them, hate them for that. No, you don't know. You realize that when God lays someone on your heart like that, he might be giving them the encouragement they need through the encouragement he already gave you. Like, that's how it works. I don't know how many times I've prayed for something then text shows up or someone says something to me and I'm like, man, you don't know, you don't know what like I was thinking before then, but thank you for, thank you for saying that. I, I needed that today. So pick it up, size it up, eat it up. Read it, question it, plan it, pray it, share it. Got it? Because, I promise you, Satan will do everything he can to keep you out of this book. But if you will, you will let this book get inside your heart, you'll be able to do more than you ever thought you could do on your own. My dad's first Bible that he ever got, his dad wrote in the very front of it, he said, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book and I've never forgotten. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories. And make sure to tag us at Crossroads Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.